what you gotta do to prevail. What you know about the road to the sale? You can't win unless you're willing to fail. What you know about the early morning work? Hello, 10Xers. This is Philip Wilstankowski from Macedonia for one more episode of Friday 10X Ambassador. As you might know, I decided to start interviewing 10X ambassadors because I was unfortunately rejected and I cannot meet you guys there for GrowthCon 3, Grand Cardone's GrowthCon. So I just decided let, let's do a Skype call and record it and so they can share their experience and we can stay in touch and network. For this episode, we do have an Australian 10X ambassador that I believe is 100X. He's following Grant for five, six years when he was a car salesman. And two years ago, he decided to start his own business, an e-commerce business. And interesting, from zero to 12 months, along with his partner, they managed to build a $6 million revenue. Let me repeat that again. Just one year starting an e-commerce business they developed a $6 million business and now they are opening a huge office in Australia. They're expanding. And I think that this ambassador is not 10X. This is definitely 100X. So guys, I would like to welcome Shane Schofield. Hi, Shane. Hey, going, Philip. Thanks very much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for your time. I can imagine how busy you are with now with the new office and expanding your business. We would like really to hear about about that. Could you please now briefly share your background? Yeah, yeah, certainly. So, uh, you know, most of my career life, I suppose, has been in car sales. So I did that for close to six years and, and it was an amazing time. I, I learned so many things doing that. Obviously, I was never going to stay in that forever. I had huge aspirations, but uh, that's certainly my my heart and soul and my background is that, that um, you know, that hard car sales background and, uh I suppose that's when my business mind started uh, in, in that. But yeah, I discovered Grant Cardone back then when I was in a bit of a, a slump, my car sales. So I was only selling 10 to 15 cars a month. And, you know, I really wanted to do 25, 30, 35 and, and be one of the best or the best was my goal when I started. So that's when I actually discovered Grant Cardone. I didn't discover 10X back then. I actually discovered more of his sales tactics and the car sales programs that he was selling. Um, but I knew straight away he was the real deal. You know, I could just tell just the way he talked and his his methodologies in sales. Like he just fired me up all the time. So I used to listen to his audio books every morning before I was driving to work, and it used to get me so fired up. Yeah, that's where I discovered the Grant Cardone. Awesome, awesome. Well, could you please share your success after joining the 10X Ambassador and after generally joining the Grant Cardone? Yeah, so so I'll wind back a little bit before that. So. When I was selling cars, you know, I got to probably the, the four year mark and, and I was searching for something more. I just got enrolled into management then too. I was doing management courses on the side and running a small team then too. But yeah, it just something inside me knew that I had to do my own thing. Uh, and I wasn't quite sure what that was for a while. It did take me time. At the time I was dabbling in e-commerce, uh, you know, I was just playing around with a little bit of online stuff and making just a tiny bit of money on the side. And I thought, you know, well, I could do something with this. Um, I can I can sort of forecast and see the lifestyle in five or ten years. I can see this being a really good career, uh, having flexibility, working around the world. Then you know I met up with business partner Nathan and and we had the discussion, had the idea, and then we launched 
you know, today we're just factory buyers and um, it was it was pretty crazy what we did in the first 12 months. We had very aggressive growth targets, but, you know, we had the vision to be traveling around the world and making good money and here we are today doing that. So, Wow, wow, wow. You mentioned to me that you managed from zero to 12 months to reach $6 million. Could you share it with us, like, how did you actually manage to go from zero to $6 million just in one year? Because I know that in uh, e-commerce business now, it's a huge competition. And I mean, what, what's your secret? What happened? Like, It was a couple of things, I think, that, that I put it down to with our success. I think the main reason how, how we did it, though, is is really just our mindset and our aggressive growth targets. So I was saying to you before we got on, on this podcast, and we're having a little chat that, um, you know, we, we had higher aspirations than that. You know, we didn't want to do six million in our first year. We wanted to do 15 million in our first year. So having those aggressive growth targets and having that mindset helps you make better decisions in business or more aggressive decisions, I should say. We made a lot of mistakes. We went from sitting there doing, we're probably doing three or four hundred thousand dollars revenue at this time. And we decided to throw fifty thousand dollars at marketing in one month. And not many businesses do that when they're only doing $300,000 revenue. So I think having those aggressive growth targets help you make more aggressive decisions. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 definitely. So everything that we're making, we're reinvesting, we're reinvesting in marketing because we're just so hungry to grow it, get sales, get customers, you know, that customer acquisition piece we're very aggressive with. So we were dead set trying to reach every single person in Australia. We said, you know, everyone in Australia has to know about us. Um, and I, I think that's what, that just that mindset itself helped us. Um, and then obviously the aggression that comes with that helped us to get to six million. But a lot of it too, we didn't make much money in, in the first 12 months. So although we made six million dollars revenue, most of that was reinvested in the marketing. So it was really a lot of sacrifice in that first 12 months. We were still working for four months of that. <laughs> so we're still working full time as well. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So, but we, we, we obviously quit our jobs pretty quickly when, when we started making some pretty good money doing that. But uh, we didn't live off much off the first couple of months. We reinvested everything back into the business, into marketing, customer acquisition, and you know, conversion rate optimization. We, we did a lot with our website at the start too. So uh, we really tried to create a really good customer journey, create a different experience, use a lot of social proof. So we really tried to, although we're a new startup business, we really tried to make it look like we, you know, we've been there for 10 years in the market and that we're a trustworthy brand. So we, that's, we do a very good job of making ourselves look really big, like a, a massive corporate company. That's a great point. And also I like and I, it's interesting that once you started making a lot of money, I see many entrepreneur and business people, they just start buying, you know, Lamborghinis, you know, expensive cars, travel, etc. And you pretty much invested all back because... You're thinking about, I guess, 60 million or now or 600 million dollars, right? Yeah, I, I got a billion in my head. A billion? <laughs> a billion number. <laughs> you want to I kill, love that number. Yeah, you want to kill a billy, as Grant Cardone says. <laughs> I want to kill a billy. You want to kill yeah, a billy. That's, that's my long-term, that's my long-term goal is the, is the billion. How did you manage to work full-time and build an e-commerce that brought six million? I mean, how did you manage? How did you organize? Didn't sleep. Didn't sleep. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was pretty tough, man. It actually was. The first months in our business was very, very difficult. Sleepless nights. It's probably the most stressful time for us as well because we knew a lot of things. And, and it, it just, yeah, it was very sleepless 12 months, I should say, especially when we're working full time. 
we pretty much all just did nothing. You know, we had no social life. We didn't do anything with friends. Um, we didn't travel. We just we just worked, come home. So, you know, we both worked probably 60-hour weeks in our jobs at the time as well. Selling cars, as you know, is 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 not a you know a 38-hour week job. It's it's pretty full on. But I did some things at work which I shouldn't have. It was pretty bad. But uh, I started doing work at work, my business at work, which I shouldn't have. But you know, I was just obsessed with it. And just come home at night. I'd get home at you know six o'clock, and then I'd be up till two, three in the morning working on my business. So wow. So you were willing to pay the price now, so you can enjoy later, right? Certainly, yeah, yeah. At the time, the mindset was just let's just grind it out until we can. We had we had a number in our head. Once we got to that number, we're going to quit our jobs. So so we hit that pretty quickly too. What was that number to quit the job? We wanted to be making profiting in our business uh, fifty grand a month. Fifty grand a month, okay, in profit, right? Yeah, profit. Once the numbers worked, numbers worked. Um, we could see, you know, obviously those numbers growing, their profitability being stable in the business. We knew that we could have enough money to reinvest in the business, but also take a you know a decent wage as well. So fifty thousand dollars. How much is that compared with your salary or the earnings from the primary job? Just wanted to know because people are always uh, asking a question: When is the time for me to to quit my primary job and focus on my like a second gig or something like that? It's a very difficult question because at the time we were actually taking a pay cut. So you know, even though we're doing those numbers. We didn't want to pull all the profit out, then have nothing to throw back into the business. So at the time, we took, we were both in a financial situation. You know, it wasn't, it was, didn't mean that we, our family weren't going to be fed, but it was going to be enough to get us by and reinvest some money into the business still as well. But uh, that number is going to be different for everyone. So it's, it's really difficult. It's, I, th- I think it should be done earlier than later, though. We definitely delayed and delayed it. Yeah, to take that leap. And if we look back at it now, you know, the, the difference that it made when we were in, when we were in it full time was just huge. Should definitely be done sooner than later. I can imagine that. I mean, uh, usually people say, I, I before Grand Credon, I was following Jim Ron on uh, Challenge to Success and many of his uh, audio cassettes. So he says that your side geek should be at least twice than your primary job uh, and that would be a good time to quit or maybe four times before you quit your primary income source of income yeah it's it's a hard formula though because you can see the difference in a business with it, the more time you invest in it obviously the better it gets as long as you're doing the right thing so it's a su- successful business but um you know people are starting side gigs and only working on them maybe 20 hours a week but if they quit their jobs and they're working you know is that going to correlate to more more revenue and more profits so it's a hard formula when you're working full time. It depends how many hours you're doing. You really got to sit there and go, "Hey, if I if I double my hours, or if I put all my hours from my full time job into this side gig, then be more more profitable than my full time job." How can you scale an e-commerce business? I believe you use something to leverage working full time and scaling your e-commerce business. Were you like hiring remotely or using some kind of tools or did you find some loophole in in advertising or how did you manage to do that? At the time, so the, most of our startup was a bit of a loophole in advertising, leveraging a very good shift in e-commerce in Australia as well, which that shift is about coming to America, which is pretty exciting. So at the time we were doing everything. It was just me and Nathan at the time. We had no help. You know, as as we're growing, we're looking at it going, 
you know, we really need to focus on the growth side of the business. So we need to be working more on the business than in the business. So we started tasks that we, that we shouldn't be doing and we started offshoring these. So, you know, now, now we, we still have our offshore team. They do most of the admin side in, in our business. And we got eight, eight of the guys in the Philippines working as we speak. That's interesting. I'm starting another podcast. It will be called Remotepreneurs because I'm a freelancer, salesperson freelancer. So the idea of the remotepreneurs is I believe that in the future, everybody would scale and use some kind of uh, remote workers. Doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be offshore. It can be United States, but you will not have to have a, like a huge office and pay all the expensive wages, etc. At least when you're a startup. So how how do you manage the the remote team? I believe many of the listeners are a little bit skeptic of will it work? Are they capable uh, abroad? I mean, can, can you share your experience there? Uh, I, can, I can I can share my experience, and I can tell you that we are absolute idiots for. Um, if, if you knew some of the tasks we were doing, you know, and at this stage we were, uh, you know, probably a four or five million dollar business at this stage, right? So if you knew about some of the tasks we were wasting our time on, oh man, looking back at that and, you know, the fear was offshoring, you know, getting, getting these remote workers to, to do the work and it's going to be crappy, but these are like basic, you know, brain dead tasks. Like it's just, it doesn't require any intelligence at all. So. Definitely don't be scared of, of outsourcing. You got, you have to find roles in your business that you have to, that you can get rid of. You know, stuff that you work, everyone does it. Everyone's working on things in their business or their startup that they shouldn't be working on and they should be offshoring. You know, if we, we pay them, you know, probably $5 an hour. I'm trying to work it out. I'll use US dollars. I think it's $3.50 an hour US. So, you know, you got to find tasks that you just should not be doing and you can offshore for $3.50 an hour. Definitely makes sense. And uh, just curious, do you build some kind of like a process, like what they need to do, like instruction? Do you train them? How do you handle that? That's a forever working on thing, I, th- I think. Yeah, we're always trying to get that better. So we actually changed the structure about 12 months ago as well. So I'll roll back a bit. So we went from just me and Nathan, and then we started hiring staff to do the tasks that we didn't want to do. But then we actually found ourselves spending a lot of time on managing them on the task that we didn't want to do. Does that make sense? So yeah, yeah. we're spending time to, to working on the task, to managing people doing those tasks. So we were spending the same amount of time managing the, the task. So we changed the structure about 12 months ago and we hired a team leader in the Philippines. Okay. And she she is brilliant. She she does a really good job of keeping the, pro, the processes the same and consistency throughout the business. She's got a very good business mind, so she's totally changed, you know, the way our team do things, training processes, and she she does one-on-one coaching with the staff uh, once a week as well. So um, that's really changed the structure as well. So really good business structure place now with with her. You basically, instead of you like uh, keep, let's say, accountability and make uh, sure that the workflow is, is is great and everything is in order, you pretty much just find another offshore person from Philippines and probably you paid her more than $3 an hour and she handles yeah, everything, right? Yeah, she handles everything. So she's she's introduced systems like we didn't know about a system called Hubstaff. Uh, that's a really good system. If people want to get into remote workers, uh, that's a really good system to monitor their productivity, your real tracking. So 
didn't know about and we didn't have in place. So now we activity of the team, we have weekly catch-ups with her. Um, and, you know, we get to see, you know, energy as team are having, uh, what they're having, and that sort of thing. So it's it's made a really big difference uh, to, to our business. And I suppose the management side of that business has been a lot better. So if uh, our listeners would like to check out and maybe consider getting a outside help, outsourcing, you mentioned Hubstaff, right? Is that where you find the, is uh, Hubstaff where you find the freelancer? Is it just a software where you just keep up the work? Yeah, that's a management software. So uh, that's just, just helps. I suppose the biggest fear with most people that I talked about getting remote workers or offshoring work is productivity. So not knowing what they're doing. You know, when you have a, when you have a person in an office, you can sort of monitor what they're doing. You can see what they're doing. You stand there and talk to them face to face. But when it's remote, it's like, are they doing any work? That's a biggest fear. So Hubstaff's a really good tool. It's like a, I suppose, look over the shoulder tool of your staff and, and it just, it, as a product, you can always monitor how much they're doing. Um, you know, if they have a slack day, they have a good day, and you can obviously coach them on that and, you know, work with them on, on that. So it's, it's just one of those tools that, that gives you peace of mind when you're offshoring. Okay, okay. And uh, and where where can people find Freelancer? Like, well, what's your favorite site or platform? How can you find an outsource? There's lots of different ways. So to, to start off with, we actually used an agency. It was actually an Australian agency. So we, we met them at a conference here in Australia and they helped us outsource a few staff and they actually had an office over there in the Philippines and they would manage the staff for us. So we paid the agency. They managed the staff. We obviously give them all the instructions and train them and everything, but they manage the office, the IT, days off, rosters and that sort of thing. So that's how we got introduced into the freelancing world and then we went into it ourselves guys from the agency we stole them from the agency and uh, said hey go work from home directly for us so that's what we did with them and so then we just grew the team from there we got a lot of workers from that and then when we introduced our team leader she had actually sourced the staff for us then so um, but we've used things like upwork fiverr you know you can find freelancers and, and outsource very easily these days yeah i'm a freelancer that uh, works on Upwork and also Fiverr on those two platforms. It's a good system. And I believe that in the future, as time passed, like more and more people will work remotely and more and more clients or employers will start like employing people remotely. Because in my opinion, it's, 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 it's far more efficient than just go, you know, the traditional way. Resume, wait, pay months, pay salary, pay, I don't know, insurance, whatever you need to pay in, in, in Australia, and it's like I think in this economy, things are going really fast, and you need just to act fast. So you cannot afford to wait like a couple months to hire somebody so he can leave after six months. At least that's how it goes currently, right? Totally agree, man. I, I believe I'm a true believer in speed is everything in business these days. Definitely, you, you show that uh, getting six million dollars in revenue in, in one year, definitely. <laughs> yeah, that came from an ever very two very impatient people. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess patient is not virtue. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. I think there is uh, some kind of like a uh, battle between Grant Cardone and Gary V and also real Bradley and Gary V. They are not patient and they say patient is not virtue. And the other side, uh, Gary says that uh, you, you should be patient. 
I think you should be, yeah, this is an interesting one. So when I talk about patience in business, it's different to patience and success. So I, I do believe you need patience in success, but I don't believe you need patience in business. Does that make sense? So I actually did a video the other day when I was explaining, and I absolutely love this metaphor that uh, I think it's Dean Grazioli and Ed Milet was talking about it on a podcast. I absolutely love this when they're talking about it. And, and they make a really good point because, you know, people study to be doctors and lawyers and that was the big thing, you know, you got to become a doctor or a lawyer. You know, that was very, very good career and, you know, they're making more than entrepreneurs back then. But, you know, it would take – 10 years, 15 years to become a very good doctor, surgeon, or, or, you know, a very high class lawyer. So, you know, it takes a lot of time, a lot of grinding, obviously a lot of study and a lot of patience to get there. Like they don't make money in years. They actually, you know, they don't get anything. Um, but entrepreneurs start a business and they think in 12 months that they're going to be Warren Buffett. Um, so I think people need patience when it comes to, you know, how long it's going to take them to really see some, return on their investment in time. Not many people can do the zero to six million thing in 12 months. And although we did, you know, we weren't driving Lamborghinis when we did that. You know, that was, we bought that that revenue. So I think you need patience or you will quit. You, you need patience in that side. You need to know that, hey, what I'm doing now, I need to do this for 10 years and I need to grind it out and know that if I do this for 10 years and I stick at it, my competitors will get sick of it. They'll drop off. And I'll be the one left standing, and I'll be the you know the big company making shitload of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see your point. Basically, the answer is in the middle, and I believe that you're definitely right. And both sides, even Grant and Gary, are are correct, and they're right. So in, in business, instead of it's different for me in business. So what I was going to say there is that you meet with suppliers, like you meet with a marketing agency, and they'll say, um, you know, great to meet you. We want to learn a bit about your business. Proposal, okay, and they say, okay, we'll give you a proposal next week. So most people go, okay, yeah, no worries, and we go, no, we want a proposal now. We're making a decision on this right now. So we're very impatient with suppliers. We're very impatient with getting things done in our business. How much time do we want to dedicate for this project? Oh, let's do it in 30 days. Me and Nathan are like, no, how can we get this done right now? And that helps you faster and quicker and adapt in your industry. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, so you can move uh, quickly. That's definitely that that helped me. After I started this 10x journey and with Grant, I, I'm doing cold calling because I'm in, in sales. So previously I, I had to always, you know, get a coffee, you know, prepare myself, make it a perfect, you know, the mood, but that doesn't matter. Action matters and you have to do it now. It doesn't have to be perfect. So you, you should be impatient there. And definitely I agree with you where you say like, if you need a quote, I just want to make the decision now. Show it to me. We'll make it now. Don't do it after three, 30 days. After 30 days, it will be like too much. And I think patience, it's directly correlate with expectation. People that think that they will, I don't know, start a business or anything in life or lose 100 pounds in, in six weeks, they should straighten their expectations. So... I think the solution is here. You should know that if you would like to succeed and build like big business, you should know that you need three, five, seven, ten years and it's going to be rejections. It's going to be negativity, failures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But you shouldn't be patient when you do need to pick up the phone, when you need to make a decision, when you need to prepare your marketing budget, et cetera, et cetera. 
Is that is that right? That's exactly right. So just interested, I seeing you in the 10x ambassador group. I believe you started um, like uh, e-commerce power secrets. Is this like a consultation about e-commerce? Can you share a little bit there? Well, I'm actually already doing a bit of consultation and business coaching. So I started doing this only about 12 months ago when obviously the, the, the large success came through our business and word was spreading out. I actually sent you the newspaper article just before on Scott, as you saw that. So yeah, when news started spreading, I started getting a lot of people coming up to me and asking for help uh, and, you know, asking for help in their business. Currently they were stuck and this was outside of e-commerce as well. So this just wasn't, wasn't e-commerce. This was just general business. So I had my old bosses calling me from the car dealerships going, you know, how are you doing this? What are you doing? How are you getting so much attention online? I see you everywhere. So it was pretty, you know, you know, I was looking up to the owners of these car dealerships, you know, only four years, five years ago. And now they're calling me going, you know, how, how, how do you do what I want to do what you do? So it's pretty funny, actually. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So e-commerce power secrets is a bit of a, a long-term project for me. I think uh, I can see myself doing a lot of e-commerce consulting uh, in, in the future to, to big corporate companies. And that's the start of it, I suppose. So I'm just doing videos at the moment, trying to get engagement, start a Facebook group. Um, I'll grow that and um, into a big community. That's my goal there. And then I'll, I'll, I'll monetize that somehow uh, in the future. I think your idea is great because a lot of people need help. And I think there are like every day there is some kind of new guru about drop shipping usually, Shopify, e-commerce, etc. I have a feeling like these people maybe sold $10,000 and they went through Udemy, learned some course and they're, they're just reselling that while they are, you know, traveling the world. And on the other side, I see you, you already done it. You, you made $6 million in just one year. So you definitely should push that and make yourself known. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think the, the idea behind the group too is I've seen so many you can imagine how many courses I've tried to go into, you know, in e-commerce. I've done a lot of research and I've done a lot of courses in, in marketing and website conversion, just in general e-commerce. Um, and you can imagine how much shit I've, I've filtered through my brain in, in the time. So the idea behind it was actually to share real results. You know, we, we have a large marketing budget. You know, we spend probably $60,000 a month just on average. Obviously, it changes every month, but, you know, just on average, probably yeah, about 60000 a month on advertising. So the beauty of that is we get to see from that, you know, really good what works, the really good results, but also the shit. So, you know, we we obviously have a lot of stuff that doesn't work every month. We have a lot of negative results as well. So to share what works and what doesn't and actually share screenshots and share live results is pretty cool. Most courses that you do will be, you know, they take 12 months to implement these courses and then it's already outdated. So Facebook are always updating Things you know, we, we only trolled a brand new crazy campaign on Facebook uh, last month. Um, we're one of the first businesses to try it, so we're actually working with Facebook Asia Pacific. Uh, so we're working directly with Facebook on some of these campaigns. So it's pretty cool to put to, to troll these, throw a large budget number behind it, and share the results with the audience, which no one will do. And that's the whole idea behind the group. And I think that'll be really popular in you know the next coming the, the coming few months. So you're definitely legit. You're not BSing and, you know, talking old school methods and definitely uh, yeah, Facebook that's, that's is like chasing the, changing the algorithms like, like socks. I mean, it's crazy. What's that? Sorry. You, you cannot, uh, 
stay and keep in touch with, with Facebook. They are change, changing the algorithms all the time. And also Amazon is all doing the, the, the same. So you yeah. need to, to, to be updated. All the time. What works six months ago doesn't work now. So if you get a Facebook course that you're doing, make sure it's up to date and it's legitimate because if they're teaching you tactics six months ago, they won't work these days, you know, right now. Yeah, yeah. But I was targeting six months ago. I just flogged out. They don't work. So. Yeah, that definitely, definitely. Can you share a little bit about the new campaign on Facebook you, you mentioned? What does it look? What's, what's the idea behind that? Like, um, so that, yeah, there's a lot of, um, cool things happening dynamically. So the, the thing I was referring to was, uh, there's a new dynamic video released. Uh, I think it was only two months ago and we started trying out last month. It's just, it's just a really cool way. So normally we, when we do our dy- dynamic remarketing or just dynamic customer acquisition, for those of you who don't know that means it just it's it's a data feed so it actually pulls information from your websites that might be products it'll pull the products automatically across um it will select them at random and then it will obviously show it'll pick up data and it'll go through a learning phase and it will pick up data and it will start showing the best performance so but normally this is done just on a, a photo level and it's just images um this started happening on a video level recently so only two months ago and we started trying that last month so dynamic video product data feed and it's it's been an amazing thing straight away for it. it's been a really good result that's only one of 50 campaigns that we're running at the moment but so that was pretty exciting the other thing on that too if, if i'm going to talk about where we're seeing really good results in our business and where we can see it from our competitors as well it's really personalizing the journey so most people will just advertise to one group of customers in one way and i'll elaborate on that so someone might go to a website and they go to the homepage and then they leave. Then someone goes to a website and they make it all the way to the checkout and they leave. Most people in marketing are targeting advertising to that person in exactly the same way. Okay. They're not personalizing the journey. So where I'm really seeing some awesome, fantastic results in most companies and, and most marketers now is they're really personalizing as much of the journey as possible. Okay, so if someone comes to your website and they go to the homepage, they get personalized messaging and they get personalized advertising to someone who goes to the checkout or they might leave a terms and conditions page. So someone who leaves a terms and conditions page, they're obviously searching for some sort of, you know, guarantee or about something. So you need to nurture them differently to the checkout. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. So basically, I see it. You do use some kind of software that in case it uses triggers, if you go in terms and conditions, then. Yeah, well, that's all done through Facebook. Yeah. So, so basically you can show them like, uh, it's 30 days money back guarantee something. Yeah. So it's just personalizing the journey. So it's, it's just serving up different messaging and it's, it's, it's having a different funnel for different people in, in, in your customer journey. Some people have been different stages of of your marketing funnel and you need to personalize that for them so i see so many people just marketing people the same way even if they've hit the home page or the, the checkout so personalizing that journey makes a big difference showing the customers the right message certainly improves the you know the the return on investment in, in your advertising i can imagine that you 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 have higher conversion rates than the other e-commerce companies using that strategy yeah, it's, 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 that's a difficult one too, though, because we're spending so much on customer acquisition. It's actually not as good as most people think, um, our conversion rate, but we are, you know, we're in a different, in a different building phase, I suppose, to most other companies. Um, you know, we're just trying to get as much customer acquisition as possible 
So we are spending a lot on customer acquisition and a lot of money trying to get these customers. So your conversion rates are always going to be lower when, when you're chasing after a, a bigger, wider span of people. When, when you're targeting a very, very specific person, it's easier to have a high conversion rate. When you open that funnel and you're trying to obviously get more people in it and you're trying to collect the data, obviously add them to your email list to try and get them to be a customer as well, your conversion rate is going to drop a little bit. But we understand that's a, a, an important part of the, the growth strategy of our business as well. Well, if you want to kill a billy, you need a huge, huge net. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, 100%. I like your your approach. It makes totally sense. I think Grant Cardone is using the same strategy. He's like, he has a huge net. He wants the entire world to, to know him. So he definitely will kill a billy. He will he'll smash it. Easy. Okay. So just curious, what major problem you're currently trying to solve using Grant Cardone University or any of his teachings? Um, I suppose just complacency. And uh, we, we have gone through a few plateaus in our business. You know, when we started up to the 10X ambassador, things that we were looking for, I suppose, we're going through a bit of a, we lost it. So it was really just trying to, before that goes the wrong way, it was just trying to re-inspire us, I suppose, and get us back on the right path, which it certainly has done that. You know, we've uh, we've got back on the right path since we've joined, growing our business again, um, expanding, got the new office coming, you know, hiring new staff, marketing roles, so it's all moving forward. You're definitely 100Xing. We're trying, mate. We're trying. We're trying on a thousand X. Yeah. <laughs> you should write a book 100, 1000 X. <laughs> What's your favorite quote from Greg Condor? Ah, uh, there's a lot, man. It's really hard to, um, share one. I think they, they all, they all serve me at different times, all my favorites. Um, but probably the one that stuck with me, uh, most of my life is be obsessed or be average. I got obviously very obsessed with my business. And I truly think that's, that's what it comes down to. You know, I, I couldn't sleep. I had to wake up every hour and check my phone when, when I started the business because I was just obsessed with it. I'd wake up, up at 2 a.m. in the morning. I'd wake up 10 times during the night anyway. But, you know, when I did, I'd, the first thing I'd do is check my phone for you know, how many sales have come in and is there any customer complaints? I used to look at that, you know, 24 hours a day. So um, it's, I think it's that obsessiveness that gets you through. And, you know, average people don't, don't be, don't become obsessed with things. They, they're too scared to, I think. Um, so that's always stuck with me. I think be obsessed or be average, which is obviously the book as well, but that's my favorite quote is. My personal is uh, commit first, figure out later because I want everything to be perfect and always that causes me to procrastinate and don't do anything. So now I just commit. Certainly. And then I figure it out. Like, like I said, I have so many different times. And that's, that one has probably served me more in my success than anything else. And it's funny, Philip, because now I'm doing consultancy work. You know, I'm using these things a lot because I see so many people and like they're trying to build a website. They're trying to do what we're doing and we're trying to help them. And you know, oh, I've been building this website for three months. You know, you're sitting there going, you know, why haven't you launched it yet? What are you scared of? And they're just like, you know, it's just, it's just not perfect yet. It's just not, it's not quite there. I'm not happy with it. And it's funny when, when you have a different conversation with people, because when you ask them, you know, what, what do you expect out of when you put the website live? Because you know, when I talk to these people, their, their websites aren't live business yet. They haven't launched their, their shop or whatever. And I say, what's your expectation when, you know, when you switch that thing onto live, when you press that button and it goes live, what's your expectation? And th- this is what they don't understand. They think that 
maybe a couple of hundred, a couple of thousand people are going to come to their website on the first day. They don't realize, and I actually do this exercise with people. I say, do me a favor right now, switch your website on and leave it on for 24 hours. And you tell me what your traffic number is because every website has a traffic counter, yeah? You understand that? So do you ring me in 24 hours and tell me what your traffic number is? They all do it. They ring me up and say, right. I said, so what the fuck are you worried about turning your website on for? It's the hardest part, man, in any business is customer acquisition. Um, so, you know, people get way too worried about is their product perfect, is their website perfect, is their process perfect. But what they don't realize is that's not what they need to be worried about. It's the customer acquisition part that's the hardest. And once you have customers, it's a lot easier to make business decisions. When you don't have customers, it's very hard to make business decisions. So, you know, it's very hard to build a website without customers. So it's actually easier to launch when it's a shit website and then refine it when you have people. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I know that Grant always says income is king. He, so he, when he says income is king, he doesn't just mean money. At least that's how I understand it. He means income with new customers, income with new products, income for everything. So that's always the priority. So don't make it yeah, perfect. First, figure it out later. Definitely. And also, I've seen that many times when Grand Cardone starts something, usually it's not perfect. I mean, there is some kind of, you know, bugs in the system, but he doesn't care. He just promote, no, promote, promote. Friend. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then he can fix it. I know he mentioned that uh, Seller Be Sold book when it was released. I mean, in short period of time, it became a bestseller. And everybody was like, the average people was complaining. Yeah, but you do have 100 grammatic errors. And he was like, I don't care. It's a bestseller. <laughs> That's right. Yep. It's not English grammar that I'm, I, is the book. It's about selling. It's about promotion. It's about exposure. Okay. So what message would you share with the people that are on the fences about joining the 10X Nation or being a part of an ambassador for Grant? Probably the message I'd give is... You've probably found most of your life that the results have pretty much been the same. You've, you've either never done anything and you've always wanted to do something or you've half started things, you've half done things, you've never quite finished them. And you, you, you think that there's going to be some magic pill one day and this is it. Now it requires work. 10X requires work. You know, but it's going to teach you the principles and the mindset to get you where you need to go. And, if you've procrastinated your, your whole life and you're not quite where you want to be, you need this, so you stop doing that. Nicely said. If, if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. And that's, that's a true statement in, in the world. So this is going to drastically shift your thinking, your actions every day as well. If you change your actions every day, of course, you're going to get different results. If you keep doing the same thing you're doing every day, I don't need to say what's going to happen. I think you know. So that's what I'd say. That would be my message is just... If, if you're ready for change, if you're ready for shift, if you want to be the same, then definitely don't do 10X. Don't, don't come across the 10X nation because this is going to drastically shift your world. It's going to shake it up. It's going to shake you up. It's going to change you. People are going to be bringing you going, what's happened to you? Why have you, you know, <laughs> why have you changed so much? That's what you want. If you want change in your, in the results in life, you need to change the, the daily rituals and the things that you do. And the 10X is your daily rituals you need. 100% I agree with Shane here, guys. If you would like to change your life, you would need to definitely change your actions. I know that by changing my actions after I became the 10X ambassadors, I managed to double my income. I became 
Fiverr level two seller after being just three, four months a Fiverr seller and not doing anything and commit first, figure out later. I wasn't perfect. I just do it in one day, my gig, and it just started selling in it. Afterward, I improved it. So guys, I definitely agree with Shane. If you do want to change your life, 10x is the only way. If you're happy where you are, just stay. Don't, don't do it. 10x is it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Shane, how can you help uh, our listeners, our other 10x ambassadors? So I've got a, a bit of experience now in, uh, in marketing and in customer acquisition, obviously as well, website conversion. So anything to do with e-commerce, really. I can help and I can assist. At least I can point you in the right direction. If there's a subject I don't know about, I've definitely touched on it, um, at least. And I know people in that space that are very successful. So that's the whole point of me starting this little side group called e-commerce power secrets. The whole point of it is just to offer free information of what I've done and what I'm currently doing, what I'm currently working on, what's working in my business, what's not. Um, Cause I think that's important as well. That's one thing we looked at at the start is. Not only what, you know, what worked with people that we were following, but also wasn't working. So we didn't do that as well and didn't waste time doing that. So that's the biggest thing is I want to do is with e-commerce power secrets to share, hey, what not to do and what to do and what to try. So that's why I'm trying to help people. That's the way I'm trying to help people, I should say, with the e-commerce power secrets Facebook group. So besides uh, Facebook, is there any way they can find you like an email or for e-commerce power secrets or Facebook would be the best? Yeah, yeah, certainly. So Instagram and Facebook, I check that daily, my my messaging. So you can find me on Facebook. It's just Shane Schofield. That's S-C-H-O-L-E-F-I-E-L-D. So Shane Schofield. Also on Shane Thomas Schofield. So Thomas is spelled normal, T-H-O-M-A-S and S-C-H-O-L-E-F-I-E-L-D. So you can find me on Facebook and Instagram. That's probably the best place to get me. Send me a message and more than happy to help out. Perfect. Well, th- thank you for sharing your secrets, or at least willing to share your secrets. Nobody, usually people don't want to, to share. And also, guys, if you like to be updated with current Facebook, uh, Amazon, or any other e-commerce strategy that works, definitely Shane is the guy. So please reach out to him and 10x your sales on, on e-commerce. Definitely. Well, thanks very much for having me. I really appreciate you having me on the on the show. Yeah, well, it was great. Guys, thank you for listening and try to 10x and share this message with the other people that are hesitant or in doubt and not sure how they can change their life. Shane told you, if you want to change your life, you need to 10x, 10x everything. Bye-bye.